My name's Ian Ossing, and this is Friday Night Shot, the 10th weekly episode spectacular, yo! So we're coming off the biggest event in Friday Night Shot, the history. I hope it's Halloween. And I just want to say again, I'm so thankful to everyone who's listened and heard it. And I think it was personally, it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. I had an amazing time watching it and commenting along with it. And I feel really jazzed. So jazzed, in fact, that this episode, which was meant to be Grave Encounters 2, Anti-Monitor vs. Necron, has been pushed back a week because it doesn't mean that this is the 10th week of the episode. And I figure it's time that we do a spectacle on that. Why not? You know, you want to get big? You have to think big, and I'm thinking big today. Unfortunately, that means that this is going to be one of those crazy episodes of podcasts, which is almost entirely improvised, which is not necessarily the best thing on planet. I have a couple of ideas, but past that point, I'm just going to talk and wax lyrical. So, first topic of business is this is the 10th weekly episode, and I've covered a fair bit through this point watched a lot of terrible movies i've watched a couple of good movies and i figure it's worth just discussing what i have watched and doing some analysis of the episodes in question starting with episode one zombie flesh eaters so this is kind of retrospective for a while now but zombie flesh eaters is one of my favorite horror movies i really like it i particularly enjoy it and i found the experience of watching it live and doing commentary for the first episode to be quite a daunting experience, I don't think it's quite what I intended it to be. Because I think that was learning kinks. Obviously, that and episode 2 VHS were before I really got in vibe of doing an hour a week rather than two hours or so. And so a lot of it is sort of trial and error. Because I can talk about movies all day, but talking on camera or on podcast about them can be quite exhausting. Because you've got, it's not just saying things to say things, in some ways it is, but you have to be funny, witty, clever, articulate and all of that. And to be honest, I'm rarely all of those things at the same time. But the point I'm trying to make is Zombie Flesh users as a pilot is not necessarily representative of why I wanted show to be or what the show was going to become. It was just, I need to do this, what can I do? As people will know, in the early episodes I made a few jokes about Bay, and I'm going to watch the Bay at some point. But that was originally going to be my first episode. I have a notebook for pages of recap I did. And I fully believe that it would have been a decent episode. But it was taking so long to do because it was so much hard work. And a lot of time when you try and do a first episode of a podcast or something to that end, you're really focusing on too much overthinking it. In life, when you think anything creative, you go down the opposite route road that you want you as you as i just put overthink you're giving it too much thought creative works do require thought don't get me wrong but at the same time you know your instincts are usually right or if they're not right then you can learn from them and improve and with the first episode i was tempted to do bay but then i thought I really need to do something I can know I can talk about for a long time and just put something out. And I did. And that was Zombie Flesh Eaters. And I just like it. It's still got most hits of any episode. It's up to 42 as of today, 1st of um, November. But, yeah, I think it's pretty good. You know, would change a bit. Um, 
I think something like that set the template for like the specials and it was a big thing to start with but I feel now it could probably be shortened you'd probably get all of those talking points in an hour and probably in a bit more concise way there are points I didn't read the recap aspect justice because as you're live reacting and not making notes and not condensing or editing really but at the same time it got most hits so I have to assume that a lot of people saw that and that's the sort of thing they prefer from a podcast. So I was pleased with it. I feel like I could use some work. I don't think all jokes land. But next one, VHS, I feel numb to jokes land. Um, I, I have to be honest, I'm not enamoured with any of the VHS trilogy. Um, VHS, VHS 2 or VHS 3. Because I think I still try and find what the podcast was. And it's only the VHS free one. I really start doing the you got to stick to an hour week thing. Um, also does help. And I think watching those movies critically kind of hurts them a bit. And also I find VHS 2's review. Um, my problem with that really is more that I... Like I said... I hadn't found my rhythm, so that's more of a 25-minute one rather than anything. And it doesn't really pop the way I wanted it to. Um, it's more my memories watching it, which is fine, but that should be a segment rather than the whole entree. And it's kind of lets the side down a bit, I think. Um, VHS, I think it's just not as much fun to watch as Zombie Flesh Eaters, and I don't think it's as much fun to follow along with. VHS 2 is probably one which could have benefited from live episode actually because it's quite a strange moving, especially the Japanese section in the school. Be perfect for a live one. And at some point I'm going to go back and rewatch that. That's probably far down the line, like when get patrons set up and all of that, that you do that as a bonus. I do that as a bonus feature. At the moment I don't really feel like I should be doing that. Um yeah, so I feel like um, that was a pretty good one. I'm just sort of trying to come grips with um, my exact feelings on that episode, but on those episodes. But I feel like none of them were bad per se, but they just don't work where I wanted. Another one that doesn't really work where I wanted is City of the Living Dead. I had great time watching it. That's the first bottle episode. And well, official bar episode. I had a great time watching it, but it just didn't match up Zombie Flesh Eaters, and I feel like I watched it too early. The trick of these things is you're meant to stretch these out. If you're doing a special series on, for example, Lucio Fulci, there should be a gap between them. VHS worked in close proximity because it is a trilogy of sorts, but City of Living Dead and Zombie Flesh Eaters aren't really. I also feel like it's a movie which would be better watched with people and reacting with people. Because it's not very good, but it's very strange. I was trying to hit feel I had watching Zombie Flesh Eaters, but I don't think I recovered it because I, honestly, it's not as good. Some Flesh Eaters has a weird charm to it. City of Living Dead, I suppose, kind of does, but it's misleading because it's not really a zombie movie. And it also doesn't really have a coherent plot. Some Flesh Eaters doesn't really have plot either, but has decent characters and atmosphere. I would say music in City of the Living Dead is very good, but the overall movie, I think, struggles a bit. Then we come to episode 5, American Psycho, and this was one where I really realised that 
how I was doing things was working to an extent, but at the same time, American Psycho was not leading itself to a recap because it's not, it's a very genuinely good movie. First, hardly good movie I'd watched out of all of them. And the problem with watching good movies, you have to put extra work into making jokes because American Psycho is genuinely funny and also really, really clever, tightly written, brilliantly acted and very satirical and dark at the same time. It's diving into human psych. And the flaw there is that it's just, unless you put working, it's not a movie which really stands up to that. No? So it was difficult to make jokes about it because I was generally engrossed in the movie, but also wasn't weird enough to be odd, you know, in a sort of quaint way, I guess. So I had to scramble to fill out an episode that because I determined at that point that all my weekly episodes should be about 50 minutes long at least. And that's where I came up with one of my favourite features, the reading of the American Psycho chapter. And I generally feel like that's one of the coolest things I've done to date. That was actually an idea by a really cool podcast who I was speaking to who mentioned about the awesomeness of that um, weird chapter. And that is, of course, the boys Now We're Talking podcast. And I, I can't say enough about these guys. The support they've given us um, today is just mind-blowing and I'll give them enough shout out when I get to the um Green Inferno episode because they point out a bunch of songs I could use in between if you listen to Anchor you'll hear them if you don't listen to Anchor I'll describe them but I can't wait the episode because they gave me a list of um very Campbell-like songs so and Green Inferno also is carrying on on Pleasure's themes that'll be good um yeah and then you get episode six Love Witch and I really like this one I I think it's possibly, I wouldn't say the best weekly episode because I think another one coming up is better. But The Love Witch gave me so much material. And also, it's weird because it's a funny, weird movie, but it's also really good. So it covers the two aspects. You can you poke fun at it, but movie's got such a quality to it that you're sort of laughing with it rather than at it. Very strange, esoteric movie, but... Fantastic movie, like generally recommended. I would say go out and not just watch Love Witch on Shudder, but buy it because it's a really good movie. And also, it gave me a chance to put fun at jesters because I hate jesters, the assholes of the entertainment universe. It's complete douchebags. From there, um, it's sort of difficult, really, because I mean. A lot of these episodes, I, I view them a bit differently to other people, I think, where I can be a bit, I wouldn't say more harsh, because I think people can be harsh in general, um, but I would say I view them differently than a lot of people did. I'm sure the favourite episodes of lots of people are not my favourite episodes, for example. Uh, I have my own personal favourite ones, but the next one we next one I did was FNS Limitless Venom. Which is like a substitute, it's not a weekly episode, it's a sporadic feature coming up um, where I will use my Limitless Odin card go see a movie and I saw Venom. And I'll be going next week to see Overlord and I'll do Friday Night Show Limitless on that. Um, in a few weeks I'll be going to see um, Fantastic Beast 2 Crimes of Grindelwald. Technically it's got horror aspects, so do one for those. It's only going to be movies with a vague horror fantasy theme. If it's comic book ones, I'm not really doing them. Venom technically is a 
horror comic book movie in store. But I really like Venom. And I really like the fact that it's a short episode. Because I didn't really want to spend an hour talking about Venom. Because it's a good... I enjoyed it. But it's meant to be a one-off sort of thing that gets people into the feel of podcasts, I guess. It's like some other podcasts will do Patreon-exclusive content. They'll throw out one or two on their public podcast accounts to get new listeners. And I was trying to do the same thing, but with FNF Limitless, I thought this might get some people interested in podcasts. And it sort of did. But... And then Audition Live-ish, the second bottle episode. This is a tough one, because I like Audition. I don't like this episode particularly. I feel like I I feel my sense was not being a bit cruel to audition. No, it's not a bad intrinsically a bad movie or bad horror movie. It's just the fundamental problem with audition is it's boring. Nothing really happens. And when it does start happening and it's just not I just didn't find it particularly entertaining. I mean I just tried but it wasn't vibing me the way it should. And I think maybe it would be better if it, if I stick more episodes of ones I've watched before. But then I think, but then you'll miss out on the reaction part. And part of the fun is me live watching, never having seen it before, and you catching my reactions on podcasts, because that's interesting. Following up, that was episode seven of Weekly Ones, Rose Leslie's Honeymoon. I like that one. You know, I I don't think Honeymoon's a very good movie, but I think the stupidity of twists and the bizarre non-sequiturs the characters exchanged made for a fun episode. Because it didn't seem at the start like it was going to be a weird horror movie, but it got really strange. And then it got really, really bizarre. And then the ending was just like, what is going on? Like, I recommend that episode to listen to, because you get me my most exasperated. But on the flip side, I feel ones like that, you struggle hit the hour. Um, yeah, that one's 48 minutes, for example, on the general podcast. So you struggle hit the hour. And um, so I can't re-rate that too highly in terms of effectiveness as with the episode. But in terms of entertainment, I think it's very good. And now here comes to my favourite one, um, episode 8, Friday Night Shudder 101, in which I recap my life, Friday Night Shudder, and Future Golf for the podcast. And that didn't, it, it's getting more hits, but didn't get most hits. That's kind of disappointing, because I, I think that's the best so far. I think, you know, you make, you don't try to make art, make stuff like this, and I hesitate to call that art per se, but... I poured my heart and soul into that. It's the most personal thing I've ever done in any form of writing. And I feel like I'd spend ages talking about the episode. I'm not going to, but I could. But it just really struck me that this is ideally, at the very best of this podcast, that's what I'll hear again. And at some point I'll do a Friday Night Shadow 102. But on top of that, the reason for doing that was because I knew I did this Halloween was coming up and I wanted to do some episodes where I didn't have to watch a full movie because, you know, that takes a long time to watch a movie, pause, make notes, watch, pause, make notes. It takes ages. And I don't always have ages. I work nine to five, five days a week. I, my weekends are busy. 
I don't always have time to... I'll get an episode out every week, like this one, for example, but I don't always have time to make sure that it's quite the same as it used to be. Hence, a couple of episodes aren't really recaps of a Shudder property in general terms, but are more encapsulations of what I'm feeling, what I want this podcast to be, or sometimes just main shit up, or celebrating this podcast, because I think that's important at times. So I think Friday Night Shudder, you know, I exposed myself quite a lot and I feel better after. I feel like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders. And then that weight came back when I did Grave Encounters last week, which, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. Grave Encounters was a mess. That's a mistake. And Grave Encounters 2 is proving to be a mistake because I, I, I have no enthusiasm to do it. Even making up the um, Antimonter vs. Necron stuff Grave Encounters, I got to the end on Thursday and I had cold and I was feeling poorly. I sound like I've got permanent cold, I know that. But I was feeling really poorly and it just struck me that I need to get this done. Because also I was watching a movie of Mate later on, which turned out to be a piece of shit called Torrent. Piece of fucking dog shit. Rubbish movie. I blacked out what happened in it. Um... Yeah, so I had to make up the ending of Grave Encounters because I was so bored. And I I wouldn't say it's condemnation for the movie in general because I think no matter what I watched that night, I wasn't going to be into it. But I think I ran out of time. And also I knew I had Dioptis Halloween do, so I needed to get that done. So Grave Encounters, I think the ending part where I just start making shit up is really entertaining. But the gist of it, I think I didn't have much to work with. And then comes I Ought This Halloween. And what more can I say about this than I'm gobsmacked and I pulled that off. I'm still recovering, as you can hear. I've had a tiring week at work. I'm drained. I wasn't able to do Grave Encounters 2, Necron vs. Agamonta. Hopefully that'll be next week. But I was able to make that special. And I'm just like... It, it just hits you so hard, you know, like, you spend all your life saying, I can do this, I can do this, and then give it a try, and you succeed, and whether you like it or not, I fucking did it, like, I'm giddy as shit about that, but I'm sure I say paying for it now, so that's like my encapsulation for the first 10 weeks of the podcast, in terms of episodes and weekly episodes, and I think it's time to... Do something slightly different. So I will see you in a few seconds for the next part of 10th weekly episode Spectacular. So what I'm going to do right now for the 10th weekly episode Spectacular is I'm going to, you know, why not? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read the first issue of Blackest Night, the DC Comics Green Lantern Cross. Crossover crisis event. Why? Because why not? We're all having fun. Something a bit different. So here goes. I'm going to load up on Comicsology, and we're going to have some fun reading that. I said I love comic books, by the way, and also I love the fact that this is quite possibly going to be the weirdest tenth episode spectacularly anyone's ever seen. Because I'm sure at this point you're thinking, what does Blackest Night, the amazing comic by DC, have to do with? Shadow, nothing really, but it's my podcast and I want to celebrate 10 weeks, so screw it. We're going to sit and read this and you're going to enjoy it. There was darkness, 
as we see darkness. Then there was light, and the war between them began. When a dying alien gave me a ring of green willpower, it became my job to brighten the blackest corners of space as we see green light exploding black. Recently, that's gone a little more complicated. I was a kid when I learned about the spectrum of colours. Anyone of the age of three knows it. There's a bunch of colours exploding space. Green, yellow, blue, pink, orange and red. R-O-Y-G-B-I-V. I didn't pay attention to it. I was never an artist. I was just a guy trying to prove he wasn't afraid of anything. Or anyone, as we see an angel statue that looks very ominous. I suppose that's meant to symbolise Hal Jordan's Hal's douchebag. Oh, well, no, it's the graves of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Ooh, twist. My name is Hal Jordan. I'm an officer of the Green Lantern Corps Space Sector 2814. No matter how brightly I shine my light today, the shadows won't be lifted. Hal stood in graveyard, wearing his Green Lantern costume, with green energies floating round him. He's towering over that angelic statue of Thomas Wayne, by the way. That's very douchey of Hal Jordan. Bruce Wayne, says Hal. Batman. Flashback to the Justice League. Superman, Wonder Woman, holding back Batman, who's also being hit by Bat by Flash, who's holding back Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunters, Ackman, bouncing background. Batman, I'm not threatening you, Jordan. I'm telling you, the next time you give away my position, growing like a damn lightning bug, I'm going to put that ring where it won't shine. It's not my fault hiding in shadows is your only superpower. Aquaman. Another reason I prefer being underwater. Less shouting. And then image of Superman carrying dead Batman from Final Crisis. With the caption, Batman is dead. Clearly. How? Says Barry Allen. I can't stay long, he bursts in frame. Hal starts to say it's so, but Flash speaks too quickly. I picked up more chatter on my police scanner. Hal tries saying it's okay again. Barry cuts him off with no bat signal lying up the sky, even common scum in Gotham were fiercely coming out into the night. Hal, it's okay, Barry. Barry Allen, too much to do. This is it? No funeral? No speeches? Alfred said he didn't want one. Well, his grave's not even marked. They need to distance Batman's death with Bruce Wayne's, Barry. They haven't publicly proclaimed him dead, and Robin's insisting that Bruce isn't really gone. Barry's kneeling by a grave now. He's holding on to hope. That's what Dick always gave Batman. Dick gave Batman so much. Hal realises Barry hasn't remembered the last ten years of DC continuity at this point. I, I meant Tim Drake, Barry. You haven't met him yet. He's the current Robin. Barry looks very sad. Right. Tim Drake. I feel the same way, Barry. Barry looks up at Hal. I like him already. He's a very bad liar. Has anyone told you what kind of service you had back when you lost to Speed Force? Well, I haven't had time to ask. We see an image of Green Lantern constructs showing F1 attended Barry's funeral. You packed the house, Barry. People came from F1, like dooming everywhere. The far future. Parallel weirds. Super intelligent gorillas. Yes, gorillas are super intelligent in DC. It's the exact opposite of mine. When I was infected by Parallax, driven mad with fear and they thought I was dead, my tombstone's desecrated not by my enemies, by old allies. Allies? Allies. I died a singer. You died a saint. 
how really is a douchebag? That's my point, replies Barry. Death isn't necessarily the end. Not in this line of work. You, me, Clark, Ollie. My father, your mother, replies Hal. They never came back, no matter how hard we want them to. I'm sure there's a story where they did come back, Hal. Something's probably the door open, says Barry. There's a bigger force at work. That much I believe. And if there's an escape, you can bet Batman's already planning it. Batman always had a plan. We see a flashback of Just League fighting Amazon. Martian Manhunter is trying to hold Amazo back. Superman's been pounded into the floor by Amazo. Amazo's firing laser beam. Heat vision at Howl's blocking it with his Green Lantern shield, construct shield. Wonder Woman's trying to murder Amazo with Lasso of Truth. And Batman's giving her a hand. And Batman's going for a Superman kick. We'll figure out when we get there, Batman asks sarcastically. Being optimist for once, Batman. We're the Justice League, replies Hal. We're untouchable, he replies, he says in flashback. Hal reveals Batman was hit by Darkseid's Omega Beams. Superman has his skeleton in his arms and they buried him right here. I'm using the emphasis because those lines are in bold. Everything changed when you disappeared, Barry. The weight got more dangerous, our lives more deadly. The Justice League wasn't untouchable anymore. Arthur Curry, Aquaman, he was killed after spending months trapped in some kind of mutated state. And show a flashback Batman floating at sea. There are rumours of his resurfacing during Darkseid's attack. But they were just that. Rumours. Basically, Jeff Johns worth saying, yeah, Atman's not back yet. I'm going to bring him back at the end of this event. John Johns, stupid name, by the way. Martian Manhunter. We've seen an image of him being murdered by Libra in Fine Crisis. He had murdered by Darkseid's followers. He was stabbed through heart with a flaming sword. He's buried on Mars. The heart and soul of Justice League is gone. And now says Bruce, says Hal. I may not have talked with him late tonight about forensics and criminal psychology like you, dot, dot, dot. We had our differences, plenty of them, dot, dot, dot. But after all said and done, dot, dot, dot. Flashback. You saw him dying from you, asks Hal. Batman says yes. I didn't know. When I was a kid, Batman replies, you watched the plane crash take your father's life. Hal, no wonder we're both screwed up. <laughs> Batman, speak for you safe. That's quite funny. Bruce was my friend, replies Hal in the present, as he's flying and flashes round him. They're my friends too, Hal, and I won't stop hoping that they'll find their way back. Like you and I did, as an ominous stranger watches from the background. Yes, this one. He reaches into the earth and pulls out a skeleton. As we get to the blackest night and we see Tombstone of Sue Dearborn Divney and Ralph Divney, who DC fifty and literally murdered. Falls from the skies as we see a hand, guard hand with a black ring on it. Hawkman and Hawker flying through the air for the atom. The darkness grows as all the light dies as we see a pair of eyes with the Black Lantern logo appearing in them. Seeing image of Ronnie Raymond's grave, the better of two minds. We grave your hearts and your demise as we see the skull of Thomas Wayne. Or Batman. My, my black hand, the dead show rise to see black hand. With black lantern ring and also Bruce Wayne's skeleton head. And we see an image of the Scar, the rogue, Owen, Guardian, blue looking my fucking background looking ominous. And that is an exclusive. That is Black Lantern Episode Zero. 
And I thought, why not do that for the 10th celebration? It's also a smug shout out to my future conference series. So there you go. That's part of the celebrations. And now it's time for something new. Something I do feel is quite cool to talk about on this 10th week episode Spectacular is my 10 favourite horror movies, because, you know, why not? Or even favourite, most enjoyable, because a lot of these aren't technically good movies, and there's a lot I'm leaving out, you know? Because horror is such a flexible genre, but these are the ones I've enjoyed personally the most. Number 10, Blair Witch Project 2, by which I mean Book Shadows, and trust me, I'm getting to that in the episode, and I think it's going to be not... If not my masterpiece, one of my best episodes because I love that movie. The first one is dealing with the fear of the unknown and being lost. And Blair Witch Project 2 Book of Shadows deals with the fear of the mind. Of your mind playing tricks on you. And that's something which actually resonates a lot more with me than getting lost. Because to get lost you have to be go camping and stuff like that in an environment you've never seen before. Where you're relying on maps and shit like that. Blair Witch Project 2 hits me harder because, you know, your mind can play tricks on you. You don't necessarily know that what you're seeing is real. And that's very disturbing because, I mean, we've all had too much to drink and seen things that weren't there and stuff like that. And I mean, I, I also think it's nice because it's a bit schlockier than Blair Witch. Blair Witch is trying to be more of an art house classy horror movie and Blair Witch Project 2 has more of that VHS trashy vibe to it, replete with the naked witch, naked dancing, um, the borderline exploitation aspects of it, the way that the characters are just really undeveloped, but given to the actors to make something out of. So you get some really weird moments where your acting choices don't make sense. Because there's more of a script than there was for Blair Witch, but there's a lot creative leeway I guess you could say and just generally I find it so weird it feels like a movie ripped in half and then put back together out of sequence because there's a lot of parts of it which don't make sense you know because of where it's constructed but I really enjoy it and it's one I can re-watch fairly often and I can't wait to do a review of it at some point that's coming up in the near future it'll be a while but it's on the list and also I like the fact that unlike Blair Witch one stuff happens it's not entirely left up to your imagination i know a lot of people enjoy watching movies and filling in gaps but between this podcast and writing i'm trying to do to get script book done and work i really want to connect the dots of shitty movies i want the dots to be there you know i have to do work making your movie work your movie sucks and not in a blow which Two is a classic, but it's one I do really enjoy watching. Number nine, VHS two. If goes my episode for specifics, but the fact that I was able to get twenty-five minutes just out of my recollections of the movie is quite a promising sign, I think. VHS two is a lot trashier than the first one. It commits to the gimmick more. It's very upfront about what it is. And it's just a fun movie. Some of the segments are really gross and over the top. But there's a lot more consistency tonally than the first one. That one seemed to be a throw at wall and see what sticks. This seemed to be, we're going to give these movies proper proper directors with decent budgets and see what happens. And it, what happened was more of a Grindhouse movie than Grindhouse, I guess you could say. 
It's a really good vibe to it. Um, it feels like something you could watch in a sleazy drive-through, but made for the modern age. The best segment is the one co-directed by Gareth Evans, the one in the um, school, which is just mesmerising, brilliant. And also generally, generally creepy. Although I really like the um, uh, one with the guy in the eye camera. I thought that's pretty cool. And I thought the final one, the one with the zombie bikers, zombie cyclists, was disgusting. Amazing to watch on big TV. And the one with the um, kids in the slum party was generally pretty creepy too. Probably most tense alien sort of invasion story I've seen since Signs. So that's good. Number eight is Pieces. And what can I say about Pieces that hasn't already been said? One of the most fun movie experiences I've ever had is watching Pieces in the Abattoir Horror Festival in Aberystwyth. Because I didn't know what it was. or I knew it was a Grindhouse movie. But I didn't know specifics. Before the movie they showed us a bunch of trashy Grindhouse trailers. You know sort of the slutty babysitter and stuff like that. It seemed to me a lot of Grindhouse movies about slutty babysitters, but this one in particular was um, the the movie pieces. It was just masterpiece, and it's so nice watching it and not watching it with someone drone over top of it. Um, which is kind of weird to say, really, because I'm drone over top for a lot of stuff. But at the same time, I hope you enjoy it because I'm not trying to be a smug douchebag for no reason. I'm just trying to make. Entertain. And if I don't have anything to say, I'll shut up till I have something to say. And we can just watch the movie in peace and bottle episodes, you know. But Pieces is masterpiece. It is one of the most fun horror movies I've ever seen. And it's a shame because I've watched Slugs, which was made by the same director. And it's just not as good. Like, he struck a bit like a Lucio Fulci. The guy who directed Pieces struck gold for that movie. It's... Wonderful exploitation trash is the best way to describe it. As a really funny mystery, four red herrings don't make any sense. Uh, one of the key aspects of the movie is a character who you never see after the first scene and never directly referenced again. The murder mystery is ludicrous, and there could be one suspect given the context of it and when the opening flashback takes place. It's really violent over the top and really silly. Has an amazing sequence cameo which is stunningly racist and it's stunningly out of place. But the sheer randomness of it is hilarious. Because you're just watching and thinking, what what possessed you to do this, you know? And at the same time, in Wendell, it has one of those classic characters from a 1980s slasher movie which does not seem to operate in any stretch of reality. Uh, college student who's given temporary um, sheriff status or deputised by a police officer. Because, of course, why wouldn't you deputise fucking loser named Wendell? Number seven, Friday 30, Part 5, A New Beginning. My One of my favourite slasher movies of all time. Actually, it's in my top three. Uh, really, really, really good, fun movie. Probably the sharpest Friday 30 script, which I know you're probably thinking... Well, that doesn't really say much, but in this case, it does. It's a very, very good script. Uh, it's a bit of a murder mystery like pieces. Kind of falls apart because they do the same trickery with who Killer is. Because, you know, 
it's a twist on you expecting Jason and the movie subverts that bit. But it's really good. It has my favourite cat, new cat in the entire series, Roy, who, Christ, I've spent many a Friday five game session um, playing as Roy. And it's just oh, so much fun trying to educate people on who Roy is because everyone forgot. Also, it came out the year I was born, so that's a plus. 98.5% and it's also strange it's <coughs> sorry it's got a very David Lynch vibe which is kind of odd because it came out before Blue Velvet did so it kind of predates Lynch in that regard but it's really odd and it's just got a bunch of characters who they let the actors go wild and it's the first time really in franchise and there's a lot of characterization and not all of it's good but it feels like it's heading more down that vibe of um no, generally being an enjoyable horror movie, but also doing stuff different. This Friday 13th under Sean Cunningham wasn't afraid to investigate a fair bit. You know, this was um, turned into murder mystery, and it was had slasher elements, but there's a lot of mystery to it. It wasn't in the original, wasn't in any of them since the first one. So that's good. Uh, number six is a tie. It's um, A Nightmare in the Street Part 2 and 3. I say tie because part two with its weird homoeroticism that they claim was unintentional, but come on. I did a review of it once and I have to get that out because it crapped me up and was actually precursor to this podcast. But I really enjoy part two because it's so unintentionally hilarious, but so much fun. Using Fred is an analogy for... Um, Someone fighting to not come out of the closet was even if it's unintentional in that, it's really great and it's just so weird, so bizarre, so unintentionally hilarious. But yeah, it's a really good movie nowadays. Like to watch, you re I really enjoy watching it because it's so bizarre. And after Nightmare on Street, they just don't went straight the opposite direction. In most horror movies kind of feature the same lead character over the first couple of movies. And Nightmare on Street 2 is a completely different bunch of characters. And then part 3, which is actually co-written by Frank Darabont, is just an awesome movie. Like, first Nightmare on Street's good. I went to see it in Prince Charles Cinema in London not too long ago, and that was an amazing experience. But third one is just, wow. So good. Um... So much fun to watch. Clearly a movie about making movies to an extent, or the, at least the passion for cinema. In feel of it, because it's got a lot of really cool reinvention. The stuff with Nancy leading the um, Dream Warriors. Oh, it's so cool. Such a clever idea. And gave the franchise new life, because part two was... I love part two, but... That almost murdered the franchise Stone Dead. And part three brings Nancy back and introduces people who use the dream as, as a weapon against Freddy. Which is such a great idea and really gave franchise new life. I mean, how else would you have gotten Paraglove episode without that? And you, on any 10 favourite horror movies list, you need a Friday 13th, a Nightmare on the Street and a Halloween. You need them. Number five is Zombie Flesh Eaters, and that's just, I love that movie. I I love it, and I will probably do a couple more episodes on it. And I'll definitely at some point do an episode of Zombie Flesh Eaters too, which I've never seen, but really want to see. Zombie Flesh Eaters is strange because 
In theory, it shouldn't be high up on anyone's list because it's trashy, exploitative. It's no real character of plot or arts. There's a loose plot, but in terms of what characters go through, there's no real change. And it's um, anchored by a very British performance um, by an act who didn't really want to be in the movie, but puts heart and soul into it anyway. So it should work, but the special effects are stunning. The music is unbelievable. The timing of shots, the aesthetic, the tone, the way zombies are lit, the tension created by zombies, the way they use that. The only downside is that the actors looking at zombies for an ordinary amount of time before they get murdered gets really old quickly. But Zombfleshy is so much fun. I love it. And I'll send it to the end of days. Number four is fucking Event Horizon, which is the movie on the list of movies I've watched the most. I love Event Horizon. I love the feel of it. I love the tone. I love the fact that it's funny. Genuinely laugh out loud funny. And then creepy and funny. Uh, the design of the ship. You, you can completely believe that Cast did not want to stay on set for that ship more that design for more than possible because it's fucked up. Someone with messed up imagination came up with that design. Just everything about it. It's a wonderful, trashy, exploitative, but fun movie. So fun. The special effects have aged a bit badly, but the plot and the acting and the atmosphere are just... You can watch it be entertained, but also repulsed at the same time. And special credit has to go to the actors, because Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne put their heart and soul into it. Even Jolie Richardson, the same. But even supporting characters are all great. Like, they all have life, they all have vitality. They feel like real people, real crew on a ship, interacting with each other. So, yeah, I, I really like Event Horizon. I feel like it's a movie which is stigmatised a bit. But it really shows that Paul Anderson, not P.T. Anderson, Paul Anderson is a really good director. Does a really, really good job. And I like him. I think he makes fun movies. I, I think this is probably the uh, best one he did. But he's hitting points in this where it feels like the best Alien movie since Aliens. Alien 3 can fuck right off. Number 3, Evil Dead 2. I don't know what more you can say about Evil Dead 2. Um, wonderfully funny, inventive. The camera angles are stunning. Raimi and Camp work their career best in terms of making an entertainingly bizarre movie. The iconicness of scenes such as the um, inanimate objects laughing at Ash, the projector blood running down the projector screen, the hand, the jokes about men at arms, the um, Brother Arms, even. The Holly Hunter, the very British recordings from Professor, the Hillbilly family, the demons, the flying fat demons, just, and the ending, just everything. It's just great horror movie, really fun. And, I mean, just to go from Evil Dead, which actually, people mock it, but it's can't be said enough. Evil Dead's a really serious movie. It might be a few fun elements, but it's played straight and it's really, really got good tension to it. And, you know, like, just oh, just so much fun. 
And I'm getting to this list. I'm really at number three. And I haven't mentioned Scream yet. Scream, unfortunately, because I've done this list, it doesn't work on any of parts. So I'm going to put Scream at 2.5. Scream is a fucking beast of a movie. It is so good, so sharp, such a great script. Career best performance this from F1 involved. Wes Craven destroying genre again. That man, I can't give Wes Craven enough props, by the way. And Nightmare on Elm Street's brilliant. Classic. But Scream, like, he was in obscurity. He didn't want to make horror movies anymore, but they talked him into it. And he fucking hit a home run. And why Weinstein Brothers didn't fuck off and leave him and Kevin Williamson alone to make sequels, I'll never know. But what do you expect with those two, you know? They, they're given props for so much. And their best successes, the ones they have nothing to do with. One's ready to fuck off and let directors get on with it. You know, they're scumbags through and through for so many reasons. And so many things more important than movies, I understand, they're scum. But even if you tried saying, well, at least they never make movies, they were monsters who pushed people around. Stories like Turn West Grave and he couldn't use that mask for Scream. And it's sort of like, because... You know, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just bullies. They always were bullies. And their best successes were stuff like Tarantino movies, where he didn't back down to them. He made the movie he wanted to make, and it was a success in spite of them, rather than because of them. So Scream's Perfection. Sequels aren't quite as good, but the first one is such great script. Number two, Halloween, which is just... I just did throw out this Halloween... And I think you could tell while watching, while listening to that, if you have heard it, my passion for the original Halloween. I love that movie. It's wonderful, stunning, fantastic movie. But go listen to this Halloween. Don't listen to me ramble about it more about that. And number one, Dawn of the Dead, the Romero one. I I love that movie. I genuinely I. Have all my regrets in life. I regret not being able to say George Romero because I think all horror fans who love that movie I'd just love to say to him how did you do that and thank him because it's an unbelievable movie it's just wow I, I can't say enough good things Dawn of the Dead the Romero version is just it blows my mind no, it's just he took zombies and uh limited budget and made one of my favourite it feels like a blockbuster it really does it's it's but then it slows the fuck down and just really hits home that opening bit with the news studio and reporting I'm a writer I don't know how you write that I don't know how you write something like that or direct it and make it seem that that genuinely stunning to watch mind blown so um Omissions, Science of Lambs, I'll put it this way, I fucking love my, uh, Michael Mann's Manhunter, I think it's amazing, I think Science of Lambs is fantastic, I really like Red Dragon, if I could put TV shows into my favourite horror movies this, I know I can't, if could, I'd put Hannibal TV series, and by the way, that new Netflix one, The Haunted House on whatever it's called, calling that first great horror series okay firstly it's not there's plenty of 
horror series which came out before that. But it's not even best modern one. That's Hannibal. Flat out. Hannibal is one best TV series I've ever seen. And I I think you'd have to go far away in topping that. Because, I mean, at the moment I'm watching a lot of Hannibal TV series. And it's freaking me out. But blowing my mind in the best way. And let's just say if Shudder ever got that, I'd probably do an episode a week until I finished it. Speaking of, um, announcement I'm going to make is at some point I'm going to start doing Shudder TV series because I feel like I'm really enjoying movies, but I, and who knows, maybe it'll be from next week. I really want to do something different. I like the movies, but I feel like it'd be nice to take a break and do some TV show recaps because you got to keep going. Like there's enough stuff on Shudder. It's loads of stuff I won't watch, but TV shows can sometimes be a bit easier to recap and a bit more funnier. While also keeping consistency. So I might start that from next week. I'm not going to confirm that I'm doing Great Encounters 2. Although I will do that at some point. I'm going to have to look through Shudder. And see what TV shows they've got. And decide whether I want to do one of those. Anyway. That's my top 10. And now. Time for something completely different. So I'm just looking on Shudder app and it dawned on me they have a Shudder exclusive series called Black Lake which is 8 episodes long and described as remote and neglected Black Lake has been closed for years. Joanne invites his friend Sarah on a test trip with the idea of reopening the resort and they assume I guess it's ambushed I guess yeah I, I think that sounds cool it's got a mystery vibe to it Actually, I'll read the first episode. A group of friends travel to an abandoned ski lodge. Han hears strange sounds coming from the basement and comes suspicious. And it's 42 minutes. I think that would be something to do for next week, actually. Maybe watch one episode. Maybe watch a couple of episodes. But that's going to be what I'm going to plan to do. I'm going to watch Black Lake first episode, first two episodes for next week and do a recap. And we'll go from there. Maybe from the next or eight or so weeks until I get to because that roughly take me through to the next special A Christmas on Main Street so yeah why not we're going to do that Black Lake is going to be my next one for the next eight or so weeks so or maybe four weeks because I'm trying to do two episodes a week unless one episode gives me that much content so this has been 10th week episode of Friday Night Shudder. I'd like to thank you for listening. Um, I'm when it wasn't quite as shudder food as usual, but you can't wing them all. And yeah, wow, 10 episodes. Holy shit. It's to, it's to 90 more, eh? Get to, well, no, next milestone is 25. And then 15 and 100. So we will do 25th weekly episode special in 15 weeks. Sitting Austin signing off from Friday Night Shadow. Tune in next week for Black Lake Episode 1 and 2. And remember, life is beautiful.